Ready to go. Here we go. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to LOH, LOH Church. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, I don't know you, but I bet you're awesome. Go ahead and do that. So where did you guys, when did you guys get married? I don't know. The pastor said, turn to somebody and say, you're awesome. And it all went uphill from there. It was, I mean, great from there. Family ties. We have been uh, in a series called Family Ties, and we're going to tie that series up today as we get ready for Easter starting next week. And I want to talk to you this morning on this thought. Everybody needs home. Everybody needs home. Last week we said everybody needs a buddy. And I hope you've been thinking about filling in the blanks. Who do you call? Who do you reach out to? And who, are, who would think of reaching out to you? Because everybody needs a buddy. But everybody also needs home. Our God is a loving God, and he has a father heart. That's what Jesus revealed. Yeah, that's what he revealed. The people that believed in God didn't know that God had a father heart. But Jesus came from the father, and he came to die for the homeless soul to bring us all back home, home to his father. Jesus told us that God, who created everything, was a father who, who wanted us to be in his family. And Jesus lived in such a way, Jesus, Jesus triggered everybody by just being. Jesus just triggered everybody. And, and the way he lived triggered people. Some people realized they were like lost sheep. Some people realized they were like lost sons and lost daughters. Other people realized they were rebels and runners. Other people began to realize that they were religious, but they weren't in a relationship with God. And some were clueless. They didn't know they were clueless until they got around the one who, who had a clue, who had the answer to all the clues. And he had a purpose and a meaning. The way Jesus lived opened the eyes of the people that heard him and saw him and hopefully opens our eyes to realize that God has a broken heart over the condition that he finds in some of our heart. A broken heart, a compassionate heart, a merciful heart, a heart that's moved because he doesn't want anybody to be clueless about this. God wants us home home. He doesn't need anything. God is all sufficient in himself. He didn't create a family because he was lonely. He created a family because he's a lover. He created a family because he wants to reveal his glory. He wants to reveal his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his love and his wisdom that we can only find in a relationship. And so what he does is by the power of the Holy Spirit, he draws a person to faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus puts us in a place where he brings us home. He brings us home to himself. He brings us back to God. And, 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 here's what we're talking about. He draws us into family, his family, because everybody needs home. Not a home. But home, there is home. 
We're going to talk about that. So would you just for a minute join me? Let's get our hearts quiet. Let's get our eyes focused, our ears open. Heavenly Father, tongue cannot tell. I cannot describe. Yet you can through people who can't. That God wants us home. As St. Augustine said, you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts will remain restless until they rest in you. I pray for the very power of the Holy Spirit that fell in Cornelius' house when Peter was telling him about Jesus, that moved throughout the ancient world to move in our world, move in our hearts, because everybody needs home, Lord. Help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen? Everybody needs home. Here's the good news. The good news is God wants us home. God wants us home. He is like the Father looking at many of us who are a long way off. A long way off. God wants us home. Before you were born, I was born. Before we came into 2020, Before America was birthed, before time began, here's what Paul said. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is my favorite part. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Look at the picture of God. The NIV says it this way. It was by the kind intention of his will. To bring us home to Jesus Christ. Nobody had to talk God into wanting to bring us home. Nobody was talking to God about bringing us home. Except God. Between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Talking about bringing us home. You know what God did? God created his family to meet a deep relational need in every heart. That's what we're going to talk about today. God created his family to meet a deep relational need in every heart. I say, it, I say that need is one word, belonging. Belonging. I know you've probably read the Bible and read the Gospels. My favorite Gospel is Luke. And that's only because I'm reading it right now. When I read another one, that will become my favorite Gospel. It's like Beatles music. What's your favorite song? The one I'm listening to. What's your favorite album? The one I'm listening to. What's your favorite Bible verse? The one I'm reading right now. I love them all, don't you? Except Leviticus. I'm still struggling with Leviticus. No, no. Luke. Luke strategically places these stories, story after story, about Jesus reaching out to the disenfranchised, because no one else was. Reaching out to the outcast, because no one else was calling them in, and it just blew his mind. Every story you read in Luke is about the people that weren't in being invited in by Jesus. He brought them into a place of belonging. They didn't belong anywhere. And he brought them not only into a place of belonging, but he brought them to his father. He was fulfilling what Psalm 68 says. 
A father to the fatherless is God in his holy dwelling. He sets the lonely in families. Now, my grandson over here is amening me all the way. He's my number one fan, and I'm his. Say hi, Graham. Hey, bub. Hey, now listen. Belonging. Belonging. Break it down. Break it down. Be long ing. Be is, a, is, a, is, is part of this that talks about identity. When you find Jesus, you find yourself, your real self. He helps you to find your real self, not your false self. And we discover who we are in him. And we discover why we're here in him being. We have a lot of human doings, but we, we can be better doers if we're human beings. And the best human beings are those who become to be again in Christ. Longing. Belonging. Longing, longing is about the soul of us. Longing for deep relationship. We, some of us don't know that the real person we're looking for is God. The real person that we're trying to find is Jesus. Longing. There is a soul need. There is a homelessness in the soul that money can't satisfy. People can't satisfy until God comes in to that place. Longing. The ING, I had to add that in. The ending of a word, ING, speaks of continual, ongoing, never-ending, belonging. I hope it hasn't been a long time since you felt like you belong with God or with God's people because everybody needs to feel belonging. Everybody needs to know they belong. And in the, in the deepest place of every heart, God knows what is going on in that deep place. Listen, the Holy Spirit aches for people. The Holy Spirit knows that there are people in this room, people watching on live stream, people who will hear this message because you share it on Facebook or whatever later in the week, YouTube. Whatever. People all around our town, and the Holy Spirit aches for them. Because he knows that in their mind, in their heart, they feel like they have no hope. If you're here today and you feel that way, he aches for you. If, if you feel like you're losing hope, you know what he wants for you? He wants to bring you home. You say, well, I'm saved. I said he wants to bring you home. You say, well, I've asked Jesus in my heart. I know, but he wants to bring you home. Jesus' heart hurts for people who have been convinced, maybe by the church, maybe by family, maybe by used-to-be friends. Jesus knows that there are people who feel like their hope is waning, who feel more like strangers and foreigners, even maybe sitting in the house of God. He knows that there might be somebody in this room, I'm sure there are, holding a secret behind your smile. And it's getting too hard to keep smiling. Because even though you're a believer, even though you may be saved, or maybe you're not, either way, you feel lost. You feel alone. You have unanswered questions about your identity and about belonging. Where? 
about being understood, being heard, being known. And those questions never leave you alone. And here's what God wants to say. He knows that about you. And he aches for you. And his heart hurts for you. But there's hope for you. You know why? Because God knows all this about us. You know what he did? God made his church. Say, what? Been to those. God made his church. Home. Home is not necessarily what is inside every church building in America or in the West or the whole world. Home church is not about bricks and mortar, steeples and bells. It's about people of God, children of God, family of God. That's the church. Jesus lovers. You know what the church is? The church is Jesus lovers. And the church is people who have become Jesus lovers start loving people. Jesus lovers show their love for Jesus, not only by showing their love for Jesus, but showing love for people in a way that nobody feels like an outcast. That we actually find people that we're not blood relatives with, but we're blood of Christ related to, and now we're deeply bonded brothers and sisters because everybody needs a buddy and everybody needs home. And so God made his church. That's the church Jesus is building. F.F. Bruce is one of my most favorite commentators on the New Testament. In his commentary on the book of Acts, he said this about the word church. Most people today associate the word church with a building where Christians meet. But the ancient Greek word for church, ecclesia, had nothing to do with religion. It was a non-religious word for an assembly of people typically, typically called out and gathered together for a specific community purpose or a government call. That's the word. Called together for a specific purpose. What is interesting is Paul uses that word in a Christian context, and he says this, to the church of, would you read this with me? Huh? Out loud. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. To the church, let's break it down. The church is ecclesia, two words in that word ecclesia. Ek, E-K, it means out. And ecclesia comes from the root word kaleo, meaning to call. To the called out of God in Corinth. To the called out of God in Corinth. And then he describes them. Sanctified, which means to belong to someone. To really belong to somebody. Sanctified. How? In Christ Jesus. Called to be his holy people. 
It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're sinless. It means because of your relationship to Jesus and the called out of God, you have a distinct essence about you that reminds people of Jesus. Holiness reminds people of Jesus. Right? Notice the next word. It is a homey word. Homey? Together. Together. With all those. Paul was going somewhere with this. Everybody, all y'all, that's how, when I lived in Tuscaloosa, they'd say that, all y'all. Together with all those, everywhere, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, belonging. Everybody needs home. God sent Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, to call us home, to call us to a place of belonging, where we can find new life, where we can discover why we were born, where we can discover what our reason for being born is. So that God could fill a place on the inside of us through a deep relationship with him and a deep relationship with his people. You know what? We're, we do pretty good as Christians on the deep relationship with God thing. We're going after the deep relationship with God thing. But we don't do quite as good on the deep relationship with God's people thing. And it is so important. One of the reasons why we might not be making the progress in our faith is because we're trying to do our faith with just Jesus. There's an old country song by someone that probably wasn't a Christian, but they felt guilty, so they'd always sing a song that had something to do with Jesus in it. Me and Jesus got a good thing going. Well, if it's just you and Jesus, it ain't a good thing going. And matter of fact, it probably isn't good. What are you talking about? Stay with me. The church is about belonging to God and God's people. God's people can't save us. Only God can save us. But you know what? This working out of our salvation goes a lot better connected to God's people Amen. than just being by yourself alone. Amen. That's right. You know the kind of people that God called into the church of Corinth? The same kind of people that, that Jesus called into his arms who lived in the Galilee and lived in Jerusalem. You, you know the same kind of people that God called in Corinth, the same kind of people that God called in Rome, and the same kind of people that live in Cumberlandians. <laughs> Let me tell you what they're like. He calls every kind of people. He calls people who have no hope and feel like they're all alone without God and friends. He calls people who feel they aren't educated enough, who feel they aren't rich enough, who feel they aren't holy. And who's he call? He calls people who feel like they're not popular enough or known enough. He calls people who are weak and people who are unlearned. The whole Corinthian church, that's how Paul described them. That's how he described them. He puts people like that in the family of God. Just listen to what Paul said about them. I don't have this verse, but I just, I just put this together and kind of wrote it out in my way. Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars. Not many of you were in positions of great power. Not many of you were considered the elite. But God chose people like you, who the world considers to be foolish, to shame those who think they're wise. And God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the muscle men. I'm just making this up, but it's true. You can read it in, the new, in, the, in God's version, but I'm just trying to make a point. The people who are high and mighty aren't necessarily high and mighty. 
He chose the lowly. He chose people that people the world might laugh at. Nobodies. So that he could shame the people who think they're somebodies. He chose people who were regarded as insignificant in order to supersede those who think they're prominent. Why it's such a sin. I said sin. If you read the letters from Jesus' brothers, Jude and James, James calls a sin. James calls a sin. Someone coming into the church that's sized up by the church of being less than or not as good as or not as cute as and saying, all right, you sit in the back. But here comes, uh, so you sit in the front. He calls that a sin. Because it's anti, I'm going to say prophecy scholars, that's what antichrist is. It's opposite of what Jesus would do. Jesus took the outcast and made him the main cast. Yeah. And you know what I love even better than that? And this is going to make everybody feel good because I'm going to I'm, I'm say, when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, what a cast of characters they were. Have you ever read Corinthians? Reminds you of Cumberland. <laughs> or any other town in, the, in, in America. Or anywhere by, the, by, by that. Um, he said, he said, I know. He said, he said, you know, there are certain kind of lifestyles that keep you from the kingdom of God. There are certain kind of lifestyles that keep you from the kingdom of God. And then he, and then he listed them. People who engage ongoing in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, physical abuse, extortion. These who do these things, or have a lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then, and then, and then, though, he said, but such were some of you. Imagine that. All the former stand up. Yeah, right? <laughs> Woohoo! Welcome home! You fraud! Former fraud! Woo! We'll just leave, we won't name the other ones, but you know, they're in there. They're there. But he says, but and such were some of you. In other words, Jesus came looking for you. The church didn't. The church didn't. But Jesus does. Still does. Someone told me one time, when I get my act together, I'll start coming to LOH. I said, brother, we have too many actors. We don't need any more actors. You don't need to act. Just be real. I'm trying to be as real as I know how to be. And if I was any realer, I'd scare you too much. I got tired of... Uh, when I, when, when I was going through the hardest places in my life where I wanted to quit the ministry because my world was coming apart, I needed somebody who could preach. And, and they're out there, but I just couldn't. I needed someone that, that could preach about things that I was feeling on the inside of me that you weren't supposed to be feeling as a pastor or preacher going through. I don't know what the Greek word is for it, but that. And just needing to hear somebody say, you're not, you're, you're not, a, you're not, you're not, God's going to get you through this, you know? And so I want to convince, 
I want to convince people who came in here today who think you're just a special case. And the devil says to you, it's all these people here, oh, look at them. They're all cute. It's, you know, they, they probably never had any, you know, they probably aren't going through. They look at other, hallelujah, yeah, yeah. Look at you, 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 hallelujah. You can't, you mean, if you said, dead, said hallelujah, your wife would go faker. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But you, with all your mess, down somewhere deep, you want to say hallelujah. And God, but here's the thing. I came to tell you today, God knows you want to say hallelujah. And God knows you don't want to go back out there and turn back into the vampire or the werewolf. He knows that. And he's not shaming you today. He is trying to help you. He says you have a homeless heart. And he wants to fill it with his love and his power. Because, look. See, some of us can't say, I'm a were. I'm an, I am a am. Well, Jesus died for the ams. Jesus carried that cross for the ams because he wanted them to become a were. And the only way you can go from am to a were is by a spiritual connection. Here they are. Belonging begins and ends with connections in the spirit. A connection to the cross. Here's what Jesus did at the cross. Jesus took all of your sin, all of my sin, all of my ams, and all of my, oh God, I'm so sorry, I wish I would have nevers, on himself, and he paid the entire penalty, and in his death he buried your thing, my thing, all of it, all of it, broke its power so that we could potentially walk out of it. And the Holy Spirit starts to change a person's life at the foot of the cross. You can't avoid the cross. You have to go to the cross. And the other connection is to Jesus. To Jesus. He's the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoners free. Jesus said, if I set you free. This guy up here preaching, he can't set you free. But Jesus said next to me invisibly, he said, if I set you free, you will be truly free. You want to be free? You come to him as an am and say, I can't. I want to be a were, but I can't do it. But you can do it. And I need you to do it. I have a homeless heart. Fill it with you. Please fill it with you. And Jesus will do it. But that's not enough. It's enough to go to heaven, but we got a long way to go. And so the other connection we need in the Spirit is a connection to the cast of followers of Jesus. The Jesus lovers, the believers, the true believers. And this is a huge part. This is where I want to land a little bit. This is a huge part. We're not called to get people just to make decisions. We're called to make disciples. And disciples are connected, not just to God. Yeah. 
but to one another. Connecting to the family of God. If we miss that, we miss a lot. You know how many people have told me, and they're right. They say, I don't need to go to church in order to go to heaven. And I say, right, but good luck with isolation from the family of believers while you're waiting to get there. Good luck with that. I don't need to go to church in order to go to heaven. Whoever said this whole thing is only about going to heaven. It's about growing out of what got us into all our messes in the first place. It's about growing up in a family. It's about others. You can't do love your neighbor as yourself by yourself. And although God wants me to be friends with Ned that lives three houses down, he's talking about the people that are sitting next to you in this room today. How can we do the... I'm on the live stream. Live stream. How can you do the one another's just watching live stream? Watch our nine and then go somewhere at 11. How can you do the one another's only on a Sunday morning? Basically all we can do... Now, if he just would have said, smile at one another, that's the greatest commandment, smile at one another. <laughs> Darling, you look amazing today. It's a command. The love commands. That's what we need. We're going to move on. Conditions of the heart reveal the bond of our belongings. Conditions of the heart. Here's what happens. Guilt, guilt and shame and the blame game cause all of us, without the power of his grace, to hide, to detach. And we go back into the vacuum of self. Grace and light give us the ability to courageously get honest and offer acceptance and look for acceptance. So it makes it difficult to run and hide when we fail, when we struggle, when we're losing our grip. Can I tell you the truth? There are many of us in this room who struggle with things God broke us free from positionally. But some of us are still battling those things experientially. And if you could do it alone, wouldn't you have done it by now? We need one another. Sometimes healing comes through the revealing. And everybody needs a buddy. Most of us come to church because we don't have it all perfected, not because we're perfect. I'm sorry if I preach, ever preach in a way that makes a person want to detach rather than attach. I pray I don't. I don't mean to. I was reading the other night when Jesus blasted the Pharisees. He said, you tie heavy burdens on men's shoulders, but you won't lift a finger to help them. And I read that and thought, God, please, God, please don't let me be like that. You have it all down to a science in the commandments, in the words, in the truth. But when you get off the, you won't go to that brother or that sister. I mean, everybody needs a buddy. And 
God hates sin like he hates cancer, but he doesn't hate cancer patients. God hates sin, but he loves sinners. And Jesus came to take everybody's sin on themselves. And he died to break the power that's breaking us so we can come home. 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 Everybody needs home. Everybody needs tied up in the family of God that loosens the bonds that keep us tied up from being what God wants us to be. I hope I remember that because that's not in my notes. That's not, that sound good in the 11 o'clock. <laughs> Here's my four favorite New Testament scriptures that describe to me what I'm trying to talk about, about home. Here's the first one. Acts chapter 4. And God, will you read it with me? And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Isn't that awesome? What was so powerful among them? God's grace. What was working? God's grace was working so powerfully that, look, needy people, look, a smile's great. And I always say, if you're going to, if you want to be in the greeting ministry, please be a people person. I mean, if you're going to go buy a car at some dealership and you walk in and they go, what are you doing here? That isn't the way. Sometimes I'd even rather have, well, I better not say it. Anyway, God's, God's grace was working. At, so there was no needy people among them. Now, nobody felt out. Nobody felt overlooked. There was no needy person among them. That requires everybody in the body to be a buddy to somebody. There's no way with this many people, and this is only one service, do it twice. And we got kids downstairs and in the, I was going to say in the laundry room, sort of like, <laughs> in the laundry room over there. That's about it, right? What's the qualification for the nurse? Can you do laundry? Yeah. Someone said there was like 60 kids and shine kids in the 9 o'clock service last week. Aren't you glad we got two people helping? No. <laughs> right. Now we have, thank God, we have awesome people. But we're always, always needing more. Right? Just think. I said, well, just think. <laughs> you try it once. You come up. You try. You try. You ain't nobody. You try it. Yes, Lig. I don't even know what I was going to say. See, you laughed at me, and I'm now I feel shamed and homeless in soul. I don't even know what I was going to say. I'm so offended. Here's another verse. Let's just go on. It might come back to me. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. 
that doesn't mean we're, we're going to do church every day. But they were in, it, this was during the time of Pentecost, where everybody came to Jerusalem. It was kind of cool. You just, everything was declared off because God was on. And everybody came to, to Jerusalem, and they met every day in the temple courts. But they broke bread in their homes and ate together. This is one of my favorite scriptures about doing it right. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the f- favor of all the people. Will you read the last part out loud? I remember what I was going to say. We have like a little over 400 people that are starting to come here every week. But if, if, if everybody who's wandered around this town who say, and they don't hardly ever come. Who say, if, they, if you said to them, what church you go to? I go to LOH. Here's the thing. What if on the same weekend, they all went, ding, Mabel. <laughs> By golly, let's start going to back to church. She's like, we only went once. Well, let's start going back. And they all come with Nestor. Their dog, and and all the, here they come. They got four kids. We we need everybody in the body to be a buddy to somebody. I've never tried to feed five thousand people with bread and fish. Have you? Do you know Jesus didn't do that by himself? He didn't say, Pete, you're the head guy. They, won't, they know you walked on the water, so they're not going to take Bartholomew because 2,000 years later, nobody even knows who he is. So, uh, Peter, you got to go to all of them. Can you imagine? Here comes James to your blanket. You're like, James is good, but I heard John's closer to Jesus. <laughs> Oh, no, here comes Judas. Everybody in the body needs a buddy because everybody needs to know their home. House to house, and it says, Then the Lord added to their numbers daily those who are being saved. The biggest untapped outreach center is probably your house or your backyard. The biggest evangelistic thrust that has yet to come from the church is not at the church. It's in your house, in your neighborhood. Here's another one. This is my favorite one. Let's go there. All right, let me tell you the backstory. God was working in this man named Cornelius' life. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Roman soldier. He was over hundreds, maybe thousands of soldiers. His name was Cornelius. He had a good heart. He cared for the poor. He gave them his money. And he helped build one of the synagogues. And he had a vision of an angel that told him to go look for a man named Simon. 
who's living in a house down by the sea with Simon the Tanner. Tell him to come here and listen to everything he tells you. So while that's going on, Peter goes up on the roof to pray. And I love this. There's no reason whatsoever by Luke to put this in there. None except having a sense of humor about Simon Peter. When he went up to pray, it says, and Peter got hungry. And that goes in, and, and Peter got hungry. So you know what that means? That means when Simon told Luke the story, he goes, well, here's the deal. It was, I, I went up to pray, but man, I was hungry. And God knew I was hungry, so God gave me a vision of food. <laughs> but the thing was, the food was the, the food that you're not biblically allowed to eat. And there was raccoon, and porcupine. And there was stuff that the law said you couldn't eat. And I said three times. He did it three times. And I said, Lord, I'm a biblical man. I will never do that. And God said, well, listen. Don't ever call anything that I cleanse unclean. Don't ever do it. Right when he was done, Cornelius' friends are at the door. He goes with them. Cornelius and his family and a multitude of friends. This means this guy had a big house. Cornelius, his wife, kids, family, and his friends had all gathered at his house. And Simon comes. You're not allowed in the Bible in that day to go in the house of somebody who was not a believer in God, according to your belief system. But God just showed him. Simon said, God showed me not to call any person common or unclean. He didn't say... God told me not to call any Christian common or unclean. He said not to call any person common or unclean. Doesn't mean they're saved. It just means God has a different perspective about people. He goes in, and I love what, I love what Cornelius said. Cornelius says, what every preacher wants everyone in church to say when they come on Sunday morning. Here's what Cornelius said. Now here we, and will you read this out loud with me? Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. These people didn't know much of anything about Jesus, God, Moses, Noah, didn't know about the dimensions of the tabernacle, didn't know the difference between kosher and non-kosher, didn't have a clue. And if we knew what some of those people's lifestyles were like, we probably would have thought Peter shouldn't have been there. I know we like to Christianize ourselves and think, well, if we went back there, we'd even believe in Jesus. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And while Peter was still preaching, and you wish this would happen when I'm preaching, still preaching. While Peter was still speaking the words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And you read about it. The amazing thing took place in that house. Here's what I want to end, why I wanted to end with that passage. Next slide. Belonging means being there for the God moments. You know what? I remember getting a t-shirt when uh, King's Dominion opened back in the 70s. You're thinking, he's 36. How did he live in... <laughs> I survived the rebel yell. It was a 
roller coaster. Me and my cousin Mark ran it, rode it seven consecutive times in a row. We got off and went, <laughs> got right back on. Seven times. My son's thinking, how in the world? Dad looks at a roller coaster and throws up now. I don't know. I don't know. But I had a shirt. I survived the rebel yell. And it made me think about, you know what? We don't know the names of those that were in that room, but somebody was in that room and said, I was there when. I was there the day when Ollie preached about his testimony. I never really had a bond with Ollie until I heard Ollie's story. I was there. You know what God moments do? They bond hearts. I was there. You know, I, when I was a 17 and a half year old kid and standing in the middle aisle at the end of a service, nobody else went to the altar except me. I walked to the altar. I don't remember who was there except my own family. But now I'm preaching to people. I've been doing it for 30 some years. I didn't know that day I would be doing that. I didn't know that day I'd know you or Mark Teeter. Or I didn't know that day I'd have my, my brothers on the board that I have now. We walk together. I didn't know that. I was just a kid. And you weren't there. But there are God moments that, that God's created for us not to miss. What God moment can I afford to miss? What God moment can my kid afford to miss? Which one? The one when the Holy Spirit fell in a powerful way in a service and I wasn't there? Here you go. Do you have to go to church every week to be? Listen, just the, just the reaction with a question like that shows the condition of a person's heart. Why would you push back on that? there when I remember a couple weeks after giving my heart to Jesus I was sitting in that church on a Sunday night and I had heard about this guy who was running around on his wife breaking his kid's heart and he was a backslidden pastor's son who out of the blue sky showed up on a Sunday night church and heard the buzz in the room, psst, psst, is here. Pray. At the end of that service, that man, I watched him. Big, stocky guy. He could take his fist and put a hole in that wall. One of those kind of guys. Walked to an altar. Broken life, man. Messing it up bad and running hard and Jesus showed up and drew him and I watched him they had these railings and I watched this guy probably weighed about 270 big guy I watched him bend completely over that altar bawling like he was a little boy melting before God that was in 1980 that man is still living for Jesus today. Living for Jesus. Living for Jesus. I mean, he had... He had I'm, I was a kid, but I was smart. 
And I sized up that community of believers and all the people in that place. They were shocked because you could tell, and maybe rightly so, they had written them off. Written them off. You know what? The one thing that when we really do get dipped in the mercy of God, we all discover, first thing you discover is, I didn't deserve this. What I deserve is not this. Let me tell you about a divine surprise. The divine surprise is that our brokenness does break God's heart, but not the way we think it's breaking. Not in judgmental over us. because he's, he's going like this. Your heart is homeless and you'll never fix it. No one will ever fill it. And I will knock and knock and knock and create moments and I'm waiting for you to just come to the cross I've wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me, waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. So, come home. Come home, friend. stand please every brother and sister and lover of hearts would you pray with me right now I have stood at the crossroads with people over 30 years knowing that they were at the crossroads in their life I cannot tell you how many times that I knew it was their time it was the time They've had other times, but then there was the time. I've watched people make the right decision in those times, and I've watched the glory of God begin to come, sometimes amazingly powerful, other times slow and incremental. But the glory came and began to change things that nobody thought could change. Then I've watched other people at that crossroads, and I've watched them make that nope. And I've watched their whole life fall apart. Everything. I mean, just. There's nothing better than sweet surrender to Jesus, friend. There's nothing better. Christian who've been burned by preachers and churches to give the Lord one more chance. And come home. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person this message is tuned to perfect pitch to their soul. I'm just a guy flying blind. You created this moment for some man, some woman, some young person 
some homeless heart. You created this moment for them. With your cords of loving kindness. I pray that the desire to come home would be way stronger than the fear of stepping out in faith. Way stronger than the enemy's argument for why they have way more time to decide. And I pray there would be an irresistible drawing of the grace of God. Lord, here's what I would pray if I was that person. Jesus, I'm lost. I'm lost in your house. I'm around your cross, but I've never really come to it. I am lost and I'm homeless in my soul. And I admit it. I'm afraid. I'm a rebel and I'm running, but there's something inside of me that won't let go of you. I don't even know you the way I could know you, but there's, I have, I, uh, there's enough that says if I let go of you, I'm going to burn. I'm going to crash. It's all going to come crashing down. I can't do it, but I want to do it. I want to let go, but I can't let go. I pray that you would give me something I don't have. An irresistible passion to run even through the fire and to find my place at your feet. And I pray that when I come there, please meet me there. I, I'm just me. Just meet me there. I don't care if you're a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, but you're cold in heart. God wants you to turn the love thermometer up. If you're somebody that you know who you are, God is dialing your area code right now. He knows your social security number. He's got your DNA. You're a marked man. You're a marked woman. This is the day. It's not next week. It's not next summer. It's right now. When this band begins to play, I'm going to ask you to meet me at this altar. And we're going to believe that God is going to give you what you don't have inside that will make all the difference in your life. That the glory of the Lord is going to come down and save you from you. And lift you into a new place in Him. In Jesus' name. Amen.